Great to see you. Uh, it was, you know, just nice to have a little weekend away for myself last weekend. We enjoyed that, but we missed you. And, uh, and what a weekend to miss. So many good things happened. Dennis spoke on Ephesians 2, the substitutionary work of Christ, and I'm just grateful to him for that, and what an outstanding job he does. Give, give, get Dennis a clap as we're all being <laughs> lots of warm fuzzy wuzzies this morning. And, and, but also, you know, uh, we, 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 w- there was something to celebrate last weekend, wasn't there? That last song we sung in the worship set, A Thousand Reasons, written by Matt Redman, a guy who used to be in my youth group at St. Andrews, that won a Grammy in Los Angeles, which is just absolutely amazing. And also, you may not have made the connection yet, but the best album in the secular thing was won by Mumford and Sons, an album called Babel. Marcus Mumford is none other than the son of John Mumford, who is the leader of our movement in the UK. So let's just go whoop and holler for them. You know, they've done great. I was talking to John Mumford the other week uh, when we were up at the the national conference, and and he was saying that uh, Marcus Mumford is becoming great friends with Johnny Depp. How many of you know who I mean when I say Johnny Depp? You know, he's a phenomenal actor. And Johnny Depp is about as hostile to faith and religion as you can imagine. And yet, uh, Marcus, bless his heart, is witnessing to and befriending and becoming authentic friends. Not, not just a friend so that we can be making become a Christian, but real connection. And he and his uh, wife have got to know Johnny Depp really quite well. And they gave him that Thousand Reasons uh, album. And Johnny uh, was really suspicious, but he put it on as they were you know, beside the pool in Hollywood, Bel Air, as, as you do. And, um, and he started weeping uncontrollably. So pray for Johnny Depp, you know? Pray for the favor that God is giving his people because there are opportunities opening up. And this year, this series we're talking about, The Call, is all about this being a season of God's favor upon the church and yes, this church. And you know, if you've been tracking us, if you've been coming the last few weeks, you'll know that we've, we've talked about, we're celebrating 25 years of God's faithfulness here, but we're also pressing on in to that which God has in store for us. And uh, just in, uh, embracing that and looking forward to more of that. So anyway, let me, uh, let me just pray. The last thing I want to say actually here, we've, do you know we sold out of these? This is uh, our worship pastor Samuel Lane's new album. It's getting some fantastic reviews out there. We sold out there back in stock. And actually, is Sam in here somewhere? Always, Sam's at the back there. Just stand up, Sam. Would one or two people just get alongside him? Because Sam, you're going to uh, somewhere in Northwest America tomorrow. You're flying out to lead a worship pastor's retreat. Is that right? Have I got that right? Let's just uh, do that if you're here, you know. We haven't got a lot of time, sorry. Father, we want to say thank you for the incredible favor that you're beginning to release upon this church and the opportunities you're giving us. Thank you that that little old Sam, our little Sam, uh, is flying over to the States to lead a worship conference, a retreat for, for worship leaders tomorrow. Bless him, give him good night's rest. Lord, just uh, empower him. May he be a blessing as he is a blessing to us. And bless his lovely wife, Sarah, too, in Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Okay. Having prayed, I want to pray again so that we can get into God's word. Let me just pray now. Father, I want to say thank you to you for your word. And Lord, I pray. Somebody said to me the other day they wanted to crack open God's word. 
Lord, I want that to happen this morning. I don't want it just to flow over us or massage our, our hearts. Lord, I want you to just crack open your word so that Jesus may be seen, Jesus may be adored, Jesus may be glorified. We ask it all in his precious name. Amen. Okay. Um, you're going to get two for the price of one. It's one sermon, but there's going to be two uh, chunks of scripture I want to share with you. There is a relationship. You will see that by way of introduction. Let's begin by looking at Ephesians chapter 3. We've been in Ephesians the last two or three weeks uh, because uh, one of the kind of paired passages we have with this Luke 4 passage here is in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. We've made much of this and we'll continue to do so and it's really looking to God and God says in verse 20 but chapter 3 of Ephesians, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And what we have said over these last two or three weeks, we've said if it's the time of God's favor, that means it's a time to extend ourselves. And why would we want to do that? Why would be, what, what cause for encouragement might we have in order to extend ourselves to sort of take steps of faith? Some of us have big steps of faith to take. Others have small steps of faith. But we corporately have an opportunity to take steps of faith. Why would we do that? We would do that because God is able God is able, God is willing, God wants to do more than we've even dreamt or imagined. And we're pushing forward and preparing ourselves. And so what we've done over the last couple of weeks in response to that kind of, you know, those two truths, you know, the, the truth that we are called of God and that God is able and God has, is favoring us, we, we have, Dennis and I have tried to say, what, it, what is the basis for that confidence? What is it that we, we need to understand if we're going to sort of make the most of this? And, and I began a couple of weeks ago, we went through the, uh, what might, one might call the first prayer in Ephesians where Paul prays for the church that you know, we might have a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know Christ better. And Christ is always at the very center, the very forefront. He is the one who leads us on, who, who breathes in us as, as Nick shared in that lovely word about the Holy Spirit wanting to blow afresh through us so that we might know Christ better. This is the beginning and the basis. And then Dennis took it on last week when he talked about um, you know, what it is to be in Christ and what Christ has done for us. You know, how, and I believe, I looked at the video, my video thing wasn't working, but you had a cross here, did you, Dan? And you, it was up there and you kind of wrote things down and pinned it to the cross. I mean, what a powerful visual image of, of what happens. He takes your stuff and it wasn't just, I remember, Dan saying it wasn't just Jesus who was being nailed to the cross, it was your stuff that got nailed to the, the cross. Wonderful, powerful communication. Take it to heart. If you missed it, read it. And now to, to finish up, there is a second prayer in, in the book of Ephesians, which I just want to read through, and then we're going to go off on uh, something which will hopefully deepen it still further. So, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. And for the reason that, that Dennis expounded and, and Elsewhere, And if you want to fill in the gaps, read the rest of the book. But Paul says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that I pray that you being rooted and established in love, 
may have power together with all God's people, God's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that passes knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What a wonderful expression. And then it goes on now to him who is able, and we've just looked at that. You know, what Paul is trying to do, he, 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 he has caught a vision And I hope you're beginning to catch a vision of the excitement and the potential that the kingdom of God has. Yes, in 21st century Britain, in this nation, as we plunge ever deeper into into austerity and the rest, the church begins to shine the brighter. As there's social disruption, and believe me, there will be social disruption. After April, when the benefit systems change in this country, it'll take a month or two for people to realize that they are substantially worse off, but there is gonna be some grumbling. And in this context, the church will, will, will be seen all the brighter. I went to a meeting this, this week, we've been to a couple of meetings just recently about our sort of uh, feed ministry and the possibility of operating a, a, a bigger operation here, and I'm gonna tell you more about that later, not today. But the local council said to us, in the context of all these agencies that were gathered, they referred to us as St. Albans', St. Albans main provider of, of food for the poor. That's the reputation we have out there. And it, we didn't set out to do that. It's, it's kind of happened by accident, but, but people are beginning to value what the church and this church is doing in this city, in this community. And I want you to grasp the vision and the potential for that because God is able, say that with me, God is able to do far more, say that, to do far more than we either ask or imagine, than we either ask or imagine. And he's saying, come on kids, you can do it. Come on, kids. Just like when I taught my kids to ride their bike, I'd hold the back of the, the saddle and, and I'd say, come on, Jesse, you can do it. You know, when we taught them to swim, you know, come on, you can do it. I, I remember on one occasion I threw my daughter into a swimming pool in France and she couldn't do it and that was a bit difficult. <laughs> she's almost forgiven me and she's 36 years old. We're working on it, you know. But God is not like that, he does not command us or call us or you know, to push us to do things that we cannot do. We may say, I can't do that, how could I ever do that? But actually it's different with God our Father. He knows how we're made and he is able. So this passage, you know, which I invite you, if you want to take homework away, to, to use as a, a meditation this week, take this little passage away and use it as a bit of a meditation. Uh, there's some key words here. Uh, they may not be your key words, but in this prayer of Paul's for the people of God, he, he, he prays that we might be, be strengthened, strengthened. I want to be strengthened in God. I'm going to say more about that in just a moment, how God does that. I want to dwell in him. He, he is, you know, it says in the Psalms, you are our hiding place. I want to be hidden. I want to be hidden in God and I want to be found in God. Uh, it goes on, it says, be rooted. Powerful word. We'll look at that in just a moment. I want to be rooted in him, you know? And, uh, you know, I could spend a lot of time talking about my, my gardening exploits there. I'm not going to. But we want to be rooted in Christ. We, we want power so that we might grasp. 
I want God to increase my capacity. You know, to increase one's spiritual capacity, you need to exercise. If you want to tone up, you, get it, you need to exercise. You know, and, and it may be that some of us here need to start a, a little bit of a plan. Okay, I'm going to read more. I'm going to spend more time just soaking in God's presence. I'm going to turn the TV off and I'm going to listen to some worship and, and just feed my soul. You might need to sort of, you know, do a bit of circuit training or something in the spirit in order to increase your capacity for God. Because I and you, we need to grasp you know, all that God has for us. And this is really what Paul is doing here. He's praying earnestly and he's urging the Ephesians. And because of the kind of this particular kind of letter, this was a letter to the early church, not just the Ephesian church. That's why we love it so much because it has relevance for us. And he's saying, come on guys, you know, exercise. You know, let's increase our capacity so that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Not limited by our own expectations or what people said to us or haunted by our past. We may have, you know, dealt with our past and, you know, our past may be forgiven. We may have done restore and we may have put things on the cross as Dennis encourage us to do, all of that may happen, but we can still be haunted by it. We can still, be, we can still hold back. And what, what Paul's prayer is, he says, I don't want you to be haunted by this. I don't want there to be a shadow over your spirit and your soul. Some of you have shadows, and the enemy is, is, is proud of those shadows because he's no, he knows that he's disabling you. And at the end of this service, you know, when I read out the, the words of knowledge, I'm going I'm to encourage you. I encourage you now to go forward and say, I want to be set free of these things, these little voices, these little kind of doubt things. That I, I want to just break these cords that seem to hold me back in the Christian life. That can be done. God can do that so that you can take another step forward. Now, as I was reading and praying and, and thinking about this, I spent quite a bit of time in this this week. I mean, gosh, it's familiar to me, and it probably is to you. But I found myself, as I was reading it, interestingly enough, thinking about those dry times. Now, lovely Helen there had a word about, you know, some of you feel like you're in a dry time. And I've had some dry times in my life. What I mean by that, some of you will know what I mean, others will say, I don't really know what he's talking about there. It's, you are a Christian, and you're an earnest Christian, and you mean well as a Christian, and you want to press on and push on and grow as a Christian, and, and you're, you're doing your sort of daily disciplines, and you're trying to exercise, you're doing a bit of circuit training, but suddenly God seems to be far away. Anybody, am I communicating with anybody here? Has anybody ever had that? A lot of people over there, quite a few people there, two or three there, nobody there, everybody over there. <laughs> Being silly. You know, we, ha we have some odd, I'll tell you just a little funny aside here. I was speaking at um, the Totally Supernatural conference on Friday. And I've got to tell you this because I'm, it's just, I'll just get it off my chest. And I was talking about the call. And I was talking about this. And I, I said, I was talking about my, the call to, to ministry. And I, I said that, the Holy Spirit came upon me, and I, was knew, I knew I'd be called to be either a vicar or a pygmy. <laughs> and 300 people went, huh? <laughs> like that, including me. 
I don't know where that came out. So if I come out with any weird words, just sit, wave your hands. <laughs> I, I, I have absolutely no idea where that came from. I tell you, are you a vicar or a pygmy? Okay, fine. Whatever. <laughs> Sorry, that, that's just a silly aside. But I think sometimes God does that to poke fun at me, you know, when I get a too, bit too passionate and a bit too excited, you know, to sort of, come on, son, you know, lighten up. Whatever. I can do, but I do. So there have been times in my life where, where I've just felt so dry, probably the worst one, without going all to the background detail, but there was a very strong image. You know, at a very critical point in our, our journey, Fliss and I, you know, we, we, we had just actually, and I won't go into the detail, we'd just, uh, by the grace of God, accomplished a great, a great victory. We'd had a great victory in Christ. It was quite phenomenal and memorable. And, you know, uh, the, 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 the uh, pleasure and, and, and delight that something actually worked out was, was so profound. And there really was a sense of, you know, well done, you know, good and faithful servant. I felt the pleasure of God. But then, straight on the back of that, and I thought it was the devil to, be, to, be, to begin with, I, I went into this desert place. That's all I can describe it as. I didn't do anything differently. I wasn't in sin. But I found myself, every time I came into the, what I hoped would be the presence of God, it was like empty. It's like, it was like desert. It was like there were those weed things rolling across and the image that I had, and this lasted nearly six months, it drove me crazy, I don't mind telling you. The image that I had was of a single tree in a desert where every leaf had been stripped off. It looked all but dead. I knew it wasn't dead, but it looked all but dead. And every time I came into God's presence, I had this kind of mental image, and I had no idea what was going on. I spoke to my spiritual directors, and they made various suggestions. I had no idea. But I know now, and if you feel or can relate to a desert experience like that, where you're going through the motions, but man, it just, it's hard to even stay as a Christian, but somehow you keep coming back. It's you know, by rights, you should do a runner. Oh, well, that doesn't work. But, but you can't. You just stay in that place. If that's you, you need to get down there after this service and get some prayer. I'm not guaranteeing that it'll end at that point. But I'm just saying that this is a common experience. I discovered later that the old mystics used to call it the dark night of the soul. Different kind of imagery. What is going on there? Hold that thought. As I read this Paul thing, I find myself wowed by his language and his, his you know, poetic prayer here. But I've begun to see through it to another passage. I've begun to see that Paul, I believe, was recalling some teaching of Jesus's. And I want to now go to that. I said there were two passages of scripture. So, so let's just flip to the other passage, and that's John chapter 15. And this is a, 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 a passage which is, is well known, uh, and unfortunately, you know, familiarity, if you do know it, can sometimes not breed contempt, but you kind of skirt through it because you know it so well. I want us to note one or two things in this passage. Chapter 15 of John's Gospel, 
Jesus says, he's teaching his disciples, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. And he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. He's speaking to Christians here, speaking to followers, speaking to the church, sons and daughters. You are already clean, he says, because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Let me pray again. Lord, this is the kind of passage which we have on calendars and mugs and day planners. It's the kind of verse that gets sometimes resigned to cards and greeting cards, and rightly so in one sense, it's wonderful. And yet, Lord, there is a profound insight here which we need to grasp. Help us to at least catch a glimpse of it now together. In Jesus' name, amen. You notice how that prayer finishes, that that teaching of Jesus finishes up. He says, ask of me anything. Ask of me anything. And that, to me, reminds me of Paul's exaltation, now to him who is able to do anything. It seems like a a connection there. This passage has a little, and this has been written about by many before, but there is a kind of a bit of a sequence in terms of the bearing fruit thing. Jesus says that the Father who is the gardener, his first goal is that we might bear fruit. You know, I have, you know, and I'm not going to go into my gardening stories because I'm not much of a gardener, but I bought an apple tree from Wilkinson's, it must be eight years ago, And I think to date I've had 17 apples off it, you know? And I've read books and I've got people in to help me prune it because I've pruned it myself and then only only to discover I've pruned all the things, all the live ones off and I've left the dead ones and it's been a complete and total disaster. But the whole point of having an apple tree is that it bears apples. It really is. Otherwise, what's it doing there, you know? And the whole part of point of having a Christian is that they bear fruit. And if you're not bearing fruit, what are you doing here? And this is really quite a a sobering message in one sense. Because if you're not bearing fruit, you're going to, you know, there's something wrong. There really is. And so the goal of each and every one of us in the Father's eyes is that we bear fruit. But not just bear fruit. That's verse 2. Verse 2, you might be bearing fruit, but it doesn't finish there because... It says in the Word of God, verse 2, the second part of verse 2, you know, he goes, you know, if you bear fruit, if you're doing good, God is going to prune you. 
God is going to prune you because he wants you to be, what does it say, more fruitful. It's not enough just to bear fruit. It's, you're going to be more fruitful. And in fact, it goes on beyond that, verses 5 and 8. He says that you will bear much fruit. That's the Father's goal. You know, I, I often go down to uh, the little uh, apple orchard at Shenley. It's a beautiful spot, by the way. I've had one or two open-air wedding down, weddings down there. My mother-in-law used to live near there. And I discovered this wonderful orchard there. And they've got you know, hundreds of trees, and every variety of tree is different. They used to sort of pride themselves when it was a, um, a, what we used to call a mental institution. They used to prov- pride themselves in the variety of apples that they grew there. It was almost like a kind of a... You know, what could one say? A museum of English apples. Wonderful. And I noticed some trees, you know, you can walk around, and in the springtime, it is absolutely magnificent. If you want to go, you know, for a prayer walk and do yourself good, go there when the blossom's out. It is spectacular. But something I've noticed, because I've been up there in all sorts of seasons, the biggest trees and the most spectacular trees don't necessarily bear the most fruit. Sometimes when you go around there in the autumn when it's apple time, you see some little old gnarly thing that looks like about 180 years old, and it is just busting its boughs with fruit. And the big thing, which is very similar to the big thing in my garden, has two or three apples on. Now, I don't, I don't get that. But there is a spiritual insight here in that Father wants us not just to bear fruit, but he wants us to bear more fruit if we're already bearing fruit. And if we're bearing more fruit, well, he wants us to be very much more fruitful. That's his vision for you. And as we bear fruit, as we find ourselves in that place, that comes through one thing and one thing alone, the Father's pruning. Now, I, because I'm not a good gardener and I've done damage to plants through pruning, the ones that I don't seem to be able to kill off, thank God, because I love them, are the roses. And, you know, I've got a, we've got roses that are this high in the garden, but every, I've, known that every, I've learned that every year I have to cut them right back so that there's almost just a little bit coming, sticking out the ground. And they love it. They just love it, you know, and they prosper and they thrive and, and, and it does them good. And every year we get more and more roses. You know, we live in this little house in Hatfield and some of you have been to our house. And uh, when we have our leaders sort of barbecue in the summer, they come over and they always remark about that, that, ro- that big climbing rose, don't they, darling, in front, of the, on the, on the, in front of the conservatory. It is huge and it is all roses. And that's because I prune that the most viciously. Because <laughs> it's really near the back door, and I can, you know, I'm not, I don't have to get me wellies on and go traipsing down to the shed. I can see it there, and I go, yeah, I just got to prune that thing. And it thrives on it. But sometimes, you know, when you first prune something, it looks a bit sick, and it goes, ugh, it kind of misses a beat for a moment or two. And then it kicks off more life. More fruit, more flowers, more scent fills the garden. 
And that's how we are with Christ. So, you know, God, because he loves us and because he has vision for us and and he wants us to be, what did Paul say, filled to the fullness of God. Not filled to the, you know, anyone a little bit of a religion, you know, I'm a member of the Rotary Club and I'm a member of this and I'm a member of the Vineyard and so I do my little bit of religion on a Sunday morning and that's great and, you know, I help out occasionally. That ain't it. You're missing the point. God wants us to be filled with the fullness of Christ. Isn't that right, Dan? The fullness of Christ, and it's his measure that counts, not your kind of, I'll just have a little bit. Yeah, just half a glass for me, thanks. That'll do me fine. We are to be filled to his capacity. But the only way we are going to be filled to his capacity, his vision for us, is to undergo times and seasons of dryness, of pruning, of discipline. You know? I speak from personal experience. And he regularly prunes me. He's been doing a bit of pruning this week. But you know what I do now? I have a little prayer. I think I've told you this before. When God is pruning me, when he's disciplining me, when he's sorting me out, when he's taking me on to a new level, when he is inviting me to participate in this process of propagation of fruit in me, I now yield. I'll sometimes have a bit of a moan at Fliss. Not very often, though, is it? it, it, it. I'm teasing her. But I have this little prayer, and it's it's not good grammar. But for years now, when God comes on me and I recognize the symptoms of dryness, but I'm not in sin, he's not left me because I've run off with the church funds or had an affair with a neighbor or whatever. I recognize it now. My prayer is this, do it good, God. Do it good. And I've learned that's a good prayer. Why? Because I don't want to come around again and be taught the same lesson. If you miss it, if you shirk it, he will bring you back to it. He w- you will not go on to the next stage until that is down, until you are rooted in that. And when you are rooted in that, then we go on to the next thing. And God increases your capacity that you might be filled to the fullness of God. And what's the byproduct of all of this? The byproduct, which is really the main thing, but the byproduct is that we find that our prayers begin to be answered because we are praying kingdom prayers. It's no longer, oh God, oh God, oh God. You know, if only I could win the lottery, then I could do so much good. It's not that kind of prayer anymore. It begins to matter to us that the kingdom is extended and we begin to invest more of ourselves, more, uh, just more of everything. And in that place, suddenly we find ourselves entering into a whole new dimension of Christianity, which we used to have and the church today is beginning to rediscover that our God is able to do far more 
than we even ask or imagine. Let's all stand. Can I have the worship team back up? Do it good, God. He'll do it slower. He'll do it fast. My prayer is he just gets on with it and does it fast. Do it good, God. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you to you for your presence. Thank you for this journey that we're on. We're going deeper. We're pressing on in. Do it good in us, Lord God. Do it good. May we end up looking like Christians who bear much fruit. Do it good. All for Jesus' sake and glory. Amen.